0: Welcome to the DriveWall Podcast. I'm Elliot Barium, and over there is Brad Williams. Today we're talking about complex seating with Tracy Lee McGinnity, who is the clinical educator and seating specialist at Permenville. Permenville is one of the largest manufacturers and most reputable manufacturers of coaches in the world. Uh, and this will be a great episode. I'm really excited. And Brad, you excited? You ready? Oh,
1: I, I am. I am. This is going to be excellent. So let's get into it.
2: Welcome to the Drive Able podcast, where each episode, you get to listen to two of Australia's leading professionals in the area of driving and community mobility for people with disabilities. In each episode, they interview drivers, carers, and industry experts,
1: and share the insider's guide to driving with a disability. Here are your
0: hosts, Brad and Ollie. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited to get into today's interview, but before we get started, we just want a quick shout out to our sponsors who make this show possible, Mobility Engineering and Williams OT. This show takes time and money to put together, and we are forever grateful to their passion for our industry. Okay, enough of the business. Let's get into the interview. Today, we have Tracy Lee, who is the clinical educator at Permobile, joining us today. So, Tracy Lee, thanks for joining us. Can we first start by asking you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your position and how you got there? But before you do that, I was going to say your last name, um, but maybe is it Maginity? Maginity?
2: Very close, Ali. Maginity.
0: Maginity. Okay. So so that's why I didn't say that, but I, that was the first question. How do you say your last name? Maginity. Okay. Kind of rhymes. Know. Tracy Lee,
2: Maginity.
0: Tracy Lee McGinnity. All right. So, tell us about your, a bit about position, uh, your position, and how you got there.
2: Okay. Thanks for having me today, Ali. Um, as you introduced, my name is Tracy Lee. I'm a registered occupational therapist, and I've been doing seating and mobility for many years now. I moved to Australia about ten years ago, and um, worked in a variety of different areas, um, areas from prescribing, assessing. Um, and ended up here as an educator um, at Permobile. So that was kind of like a bit of a goal um, job, career choice. I wanted to work for a, um, one of the manufacturers. I wanted to work for one that I believed in the products and I wanted to be a clinical educator. So that's kind of where that journey led me to hit this point now.
1: Well, congratulations oh, on getting your dream job. That's excellent. Uh, not everybody can say that. So uh, a big congratulations to you. Um, tell us a little bit about Permobil.
2: Um So Permobile is a wheelchair manufacturer. So it started off um, manufacturing powered mobility bases. Um, our founder, Per Udin, is Swedish. So it's a Swedish company. Um, and it was built on this philosophy that um, Pierre often quotes, that every person has the right to have his or her disability compensated for um, as far as possible, but aids with the same technical standard as those that we all use in our everyday lives, which I think is something probably resonates with the both of you as well. Um, You know, like finding some of these amazing solutions in mainstream, but you know, like having that ability to access some of those things or accessing technology that makes it more of a level playing field for everybody to... To gain
0: independence, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I, I wonder if that's a um, general Swedish um, philosophy because I also we deal with brawnability a bit, and they they're the Swedish arm, and um, mm. the Swedish seem to be very much into that philosophy of kind of like equalization, um, and and it's, it's um and and also like when I say equalization on all levels, so so a lot of the technology, it's all about well if. An able-bodied person can have it. Why can't I type thing, you know? Um, And and we've actually heard on this podcast so many stories of people that have had to create their own things because, you know, there's nothing available in this this industry and they just have to innovate themselves. You, You hear it time and time again.
2: Absolutely, I love that number eight wire kind of philosophy. That you know, we'll will make something work, especially when we are talking about very individual solutions for very individual needs out there, Ali. Yeah,
0: yeah, well, that's pretty cool. And um, and how long has Permobil been around?
2: Um, so look, Permobil did one of the first standing powered wheelchairs like about over fifty years ago, I think it was. Now, so um, you know, they really have evolved in that that area of powered mobility and there's also been some acquisitions or some mergers along the the times as well we've we've invited um other really great manufacturers into our family so the roho seating for example um manual wheelchairs so we're manufacturing those alongside our our permobile products so some seating and some mobility um, needs being met yeah
0: well i guess now that you've mentioned that stuff about the seating um I know that you are a bit of a specialist in the seating area. Um, and I guess we, we are happy to talk about everything um, in seating um, and wherever we can try to skew it towards setting up stuff in vehicles if possible as well. So, um, and, and on that note, I guess, what, what kind of um, things or do, do people look at when they're looking at, um, let's say getting a wheelchair and then how much of that do you think can be transferable or, or to a vehicle? Like you're sitting in your wheelchair. Um, let's say you're not able to sit in the wheelchair in the vehicle. Um, how easy is it to replicate some of that seating systems within the vehicle? Look, Ali, you know,
2: we've got that general seat um, and we've got that general position list. With- to back angle of the vehicle seat, which doesn't often have as much adjustability as we would have in the actual wheelchair. So for some users that are um, able to be transferred, and obviously we support that as well, um, if somebody can be transferred into a um, vehicle tested seat then they they should do so opposed to being in the the wheelchair um, so if we can get them transferred then then that's good it's going to come down to that impairment you know um some of the spinal cord injury for example um, may have less trunk control trunk innovation so they might need you know just a little bit of extra support and and some of the strapping for example Um, I've also talked to to people before about using little towels just to to sort of lift up the knees a little bit or lift up the feet a little bit, just to get them seated in a very similar position. Because sometimes that, that postural position it's not just about getting from A to B it's around being as stable as possible. Mm. And obviously when we've got the inertia and we've got a vehicle that's moving, we want someone to be really nice and, and stable within that seat that's pretty much designed for, for you and I that have full muscle control and innovation.
0: With, with that, actually one thing I was just thinking of, which is something that Brad and I have actually discussed um, a fair bit within on the field and um and I wonder if there is a, an easy answer to this. So looking at this um, this picture here, or whatever I say in the background here that you can see in my picture, that swivel seat. Now, that's a way of getting in and out of the vehicle. Um, and as you know, with NDIS and, and the, the massive increase in competition, um, there is a bit of a, you know, there, there is pushes people, certain companies push their products over others, right? And in, in the area of... Um, seating um in the vehicle sometimes i find um clients and ot's can get a bit confused as to when do i make the call of is this person transferring or are they sitting in the wheelchair what are some big markers or indicators that hey this person just can't transfer or we're not it like we shouldn't be entertaining this idea we're just wasting our time or vice versa or like hey this person can get into a seat we shouldn't be entertaining a lowered floor vehicle we should be entertaining something like this in the background you know or vice versa when, the or, is there any markers there yeah look so so many different things
2: entwined into there isn't there Brad? i think you know having a very clear idea of the goals and what's really important to the person that's that's going to be using the equipment and, and transporting is, it's obviously going to be that foundation and, and very important. And that image that I see behind you, Ali, um, it, it does bring to mind a, a client that I had many years ago in New Zealand who had motor neuron disease. And this client really wanted that chair. Meanwhile, I was really concerned that the money that was getting put into that vehicle modification meant that. They weren't necessarily going to be able to have the money within that system to be able to transport the powered chair and so this client in the chair. And so to me, it was a real ethical conundrum, but it wasn't my conundrum to have. That was my values. When I sat down and talked to them, the most important thing to this family was that they could drive to the river drive up onto the riverbank and spend some quality time together as husband and wife watching the river and talking to the river. They, they weren't as interested in being able to get out into other parts of their community. So really listening to people, I think is really important. Um, Brad, you looks like you had something there. On that uh,
1: I just I, I'm thinking back to a, an interview that we did with John and his favorite thing is actually going through the McDonald's drive-through. And, uh, and, and, he, and he really struggles to do his transfers and take his wheelchair with him. But just that ability to get out of his house and just go for a drive without thinking about transferring at the other end of it all at a different destination, that, that wasn't important to him. It was all about going from his house back to his house again. And that was, that was what he needed. So I'm glad that you're saying that as well. I
2: absolutely agree a hundred percent. I mean it can get really frustrating when somebody has this great piece of technology and they have a vehicle and we know they can strap it down and they can get out and about. But sometimes it is around balancing out you know what is most important for that person. We can't sort of you know measure it on on what would be important for us, which um, is so easy to to get caught up in, isn't it?
1: You can tell that you're an OT, Tracy. (laughs) You can tell that you're an OT. Uh, No, it's fantastic what you're saying there. Absolutely. Goal-centred is what we need to be. Um, And we do this podcast for everybody to listen to, whether it's the client themselves who wants to be able to get here or there, uh, but also for OTs, but also for the NDIS, LACs, and support coordinators as well to actually understand that, that, um, Sometimes it's a stepping stone that the first car, the first getting out and about is about just leaving the house. And then sometimes uh, down the track, we can look at, well, now that we're being able to leave the house, maybe we can start looking at other alternatives about where we're actually going. Um, uh,
2: Absolutely. And, and, you know, like I I look at my own child as he went through his teenage years as well. We didn't rush out and get a car, you know, he had to, he he had little steps that transitioned him along the way into into life and and getting out and about. just like anybody with an impairment needs to to do as well. Um, you know, going back to Ali's question uh, around the seating, there are, um, I have had a few users that have used the big universal strap Um, So a big, thick neoprene strap that, yeah, yeah, just to give um, a little bit more stability. But what that seems to generally with the clients I've used, what that's been around is a little bit of one-sided weakness to the point where when they turned in the inertia of the car, they just had difficulty bringing themselves back into that, that center of gravity position. So. So just a, a bit of a cue, um, but I know that I've had many talks with um, Armin and, and Ali around pelvic positioning and some of the positioning pieces on the seating um, are around the posture and are around the person. And sometimes that's going to be really important because if you've got your end user in the back of the van, you know, we need to know that they're going to be breathing, that they're seated upright, that they're safe. Um, but we still need to be looking at that that big picture as well don't we like how can we support them and keep them safe and balancing that out and I know that's something I get asked all the time from a lot of the OTs is around you know well they would justify putting on those pelvic belts as as um, seat belts whereas our positioning devices
1: so um,
2: like I know that we're all on the same page with that one as as well aren't we?
1: Yeah, they, yeah don't, they do not replace your seatbelt. Everybody, they, the um, neoprene or other uh, products that go around the, the chest or uh, around the torso a little bit lower down, they are about positioning and keeping somebody stable in the car seat or in their wheelchair. Uh, they are, do not replace the seatbelt. The seatbelt needs to be, and Ali, you, you'll be able to explain this better, but actually attached to the car for that stability um, and safety. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's true. But in saying that, um, the uh, innovative guys at places like Permobil and Sunrise are sneakily coming up with new um, um, wheelchairs that are going to be coming out that have everything built in—seat wheel- belts and everything. Um, I've seen a few little—they're um, they're coming anyway. I don't know if they're out yet, but I've definitely seen a few little bits and pieces with um, actual um, automotive seats that are coming on from Permobil or from um, Sunrise. Um, so they're, they're teaming up, they're going pretty... Um, like, like, for example, I know Permobil, um, they are owned by the same company as Brawnability. And, and what we found that they teamed up, like um, Tracy said, there was a merger or something like that. They do a lot of these mergers and acquisitions on a higher level about few four or five years ago. And then what we started seeing was we started seeing in, like, for example, that seat that you can see in the background is a Brawnability product, but then a lot of the permobil stuff can now fit straight onto it because they're teaming up and they're, um, and, and, and I guess to build a little bit on that um, what I'm hearing also is that's, what's important from the vehicle point of view is those little positioning stuff, the little postural stuff. It's these tiny little tweaks that can make from a seating point of view, that, that seem to be able to make such a massive difference. And, 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 and which is going to lead me onto another question is, does that make a big difference then when you're looking at short versus long trips as well? Like, um, and, and how much more sensitive does it get if you're going on a long trip or do you just have to limit trips sometimes?
2: Absolutely, Ali, um, good question. And it is gonna come down to, to the end user, to the impairment and to the sensations, et cetera, that feeling. I mean, one thing that we talk about a lot without talking about is pain. And the reason I say that we talk about it a lot without talking about it is that pain is a very subjective thing. So very hard to measure. And historically funding organisations haven't really taken on pain per se, but they will take into consideration things like sitting tolerance. So somebody needs to be able to sit obviously for the duration of, of that trip. Um, and some of our rural remote um, users is going to be, you know, even longer terms or longer time periods that, that they are having to, to sit and sometimes um, seating that may not support them. So having that support may increase that amount of time that they can sit. Um, it may increase the comfort and by increasing the comfort increase that seating tolerance. Um, We need to make sure that somebody is going to be safe for the duration of that trip. So, um, you know, we know if we don't get the angles right and posture, if we try and sit somebody in a position that their body does not have the capacity to reach in terms of their range, then their body is intrinsically going to try and get out. It's going to try and slip forward. And so I'm sort of doing funny things with my hands because what I'm thinking about in particular is, you know, if a seat is sort of at 90 with a, a seat in the back, but if somebody's legs only bend, not quite to 90, they only bend sort of to that 80, that body's not going to fit in that seat. So that body is going to have to move to try and conform to that seat. Um, so making sure that those angles are right for the person might come down to whether they can sit in a st- Standard seat versus sitting in um, a seat with more postural supports. And Ali, yes, I have seen some of this interchangeability of component trees between um, organisations and, and vehicles, um, definitely. And I I just think that people are looking more for a holistic solution in general. Um, they want to be able to get everything from you know sort of the same therapist or there's this the, the one stop shop, um, which for us all can be a little bit daunting because they are such very specialized areas of practice as well the you know the vehicle mods the the seating the wheelchair um, and they all need to work together um, and and work beautifully I think the worst mistake I ever made um, was back when I was working in the seating clinics molded seating clinics one of the first clients I had of course, it's late Friday afternoon and we've just managed to put all the seating over to the power chair. He's about to go home to the group home. The van pulls up. The tech's already done in hours overtime. I'm like, yeah, it's Friday. I'm going home. We drive out. He goes onto the hoist. It starts to rise. And I wanted to just cry. I could see that he wasn't going to clear. So as he was going up, I just went, no, stop we had to take it back, pull it off and scrape it off underneath that that cushion. So um, you know, lots of things to think about um, and best to work together with some of the experts. So going to a good um, vehicle modification supplier, um, working with the therapists or the services that do have that specialty and within their scope.
1: Yeah, that sounds 100%. really good. Um, yeah, we you do need a team around you. Um, yeah. yeah, I I don't know about seating si- the side of things in regards to wheelchairs. Uh, I do know about car modifications, and I do know about uh, access into motor vehicles. And I think in, in forming a, a team, which is why we've invited you on, uh, Tracy, is is really really important. And um, yes, having one OT. To make life easier for you can be a good idea, but sometimes you've got to realize that we can't we can't know everything. And uh, the more technical your problem is, um, uh, then the more you need to have more technical people involved.
0: And and what we found here through those past every past guest, what's the consistent theme that we get is people that have a team of OTs. It's not to say one OT is going to be bad, but the people that have the team of OTs seem to be the ones that are getting the more funding, more products, more success through NDIS. So, so that's just the result. You know, It's not even saying one thing is better than the other. It just seems to be that the people that are surrounding the, the guests that we've had that have surrounded themselves with teams of OTs that have said, oh, I've worked with this guy for this and that person for that, this person to that, they seem to get everything they want. Um, so it shows me that if you're working with those experts, um, they know how to get that stuff through because they understand what's, what's important for those, um, you know, the, the, those tips and tricks, just like you're pulling out these tips and tricks on seating, um, you know, that if you know that you're going to be able to report on that properly, you're going to be able to justify it properly. Um, and so I guess if you've just got one OT, um, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but maybe just be questioning, I guess, your success and, and, and what potential you could potentially be leaving on the table.
2: Absolutely Ali and at the very least making sure that you've got good mentorship that you've got good supervision if you are working sort of you know on the edges of of one of those scopes but but like Brad said we all have you know that's a beautiful thing about OT. It's such a broad scope. You know, you can really have a change. Um, but even when I was doing molded seating, even outside of that OT, so I would want the rehab engineer to be looking at anything that before we cut and welded. I wanted the speechie there if we were doing a molded seat system to make sure that the user was going to be able to eat um, and swallow appropriately and, and not have a choking hazard. Um, for a standing chair, I would have had a discussion with the physio or the GP before we took them into into that standing position. Um, you know, it's often about you know we, we just need to know what we don't know as much as as what we do know, and reach out within that multi or or within our own scope to get more support um, because that's going to end up in the the best result for that end user um, and. Um, while I've always really been passionate about independence and end user, Permobile also has like one of our four values that underpin everything is that we put the user first. Um, so we're really trying to work with our end users, seeing what they want, what works for them, what doesn't work for them and evolving um, in
0: that way. That's pretty cool. So um, we we are running towards the end of our time. So what we'll do is one last question and then we'll get on to our famous question. But um, I guess if someone is working with the OT and looking at getting their seating set up, is there a standard? Um, you know, like if I've seen my OT three or four times for trials and errors and fittings and I'm not getting there, um, you know, when should I be asking questions? How many times do we need to do this? Is there a one? If, is there a guideline or is it just, um, you know, like we've asked, for example, about driving controls? And um, Brad has, for example, said that sometimes you just can't put a figure on it, you know, um, and, and it's just you just got to go until you go. Um, and is that would you say that's the same with seeding?
2: I, I actually do. When I look at some of the other insurance models around the world, because essentially the NDIS is an insurance model, um, You know, they often have a set amount of time for an assessment and you have to do that assessment within that time frame or apply for further additional hours and justify why you need those hours. And I kind of like that model because I, I do feel for some of our end users at the moment that maybe be going out for a seating assessment and there's no way to know whether you're seeing um, Jenny, who's a new grad that graduated last year and, and you know, has a really good mentor senior working with her, um, Sally, who's been doing just seating for 15 years, or Mary who works as a contractor and has no support. Each person's gonna take different amounts of time based on their skill, their experience um, and the the client situation.
1: I think the client situation needs to be considered as well, uh, Tracy, because um, you might be able to expand on this, but somebody with a a complete uh, lumber, um, spinal injury versus a high C, uh, spinal injury, um, can be significantly different in regards to seating and posture and and uh, prescription of wheelchairs. Am I right in saying that?
2: Absolutely, and it is going to take different time. And, and previously, we had sort of you know, like some of the spinal services would do a lot of the spinal seating, so they would become very competent and and. Just They knew a lot of the equipment, they knew all the AT out there, so it was easy to match it up. Um, If you haven't had as much experience doing similar sort of bases, you're going to have to do a lot more research on it as well. Um, When I first moved to Australia and I started talking about MAT assessments, and the therapist just looked at me and went, what? What? so I'm really happy to see that Matt has become a big thing, and that they have left the university. But um, something like a you know a assessment that has a process that an assessment tool that's going to give you the answers can save so much more time in the long run. But you need to be competent at at delivering that assessment too, to get it in a timely way. So. Yeah, it will vary the time between different therapists and it will vary the time between the diagnoses as as well or the impairment that you're following.
1: I want to ask one more question before we wind it up and I know we're going slightly over time here. But have you got a couple of top key takeaways when we're talking about seating, specialized seating in a vehicle? So let's say it is actually wheelchair going into the back of a van or or something like that. If you've got some top takeaways that we should be considering as OTs, general OTs, thinking about uh, transport and mobility, what should they be thinking about? What top three things or one or two things should we all be considering when we're Thinking about specialized seating in a in a car.
2: I think that, you know, like going back to the, the pelvis is a foundation. So whatever body position is going to be noted by that pelvis position. So making sure that we have the seating that is going to support the user in the way that we think it will. Um, I have to say the overall seat floor height, so from the top of the head to the bottom, of you know, in that seated position, is going to be really important for um, your um, vehicle modification service. Um, So that's really important. And what do they want to do? Like, what are they actually, you know, are they actually driving? Are they going to be self-driving? Are they going to be transferring? How are they going to lock down? Um, you know, can they lock down independently? Um, all these questions that I start to put into, into that Um when I'm starting to consider how they're going to, to transport, where do they want to go? Who's going to go with them? Um, is there other family members? Are they going to be able to go out as a family? If I um, transport the chair in one way versus another way, I think I've just gone off topic to what you asked me
1: to. Oh no, absolutely. You've got to consider the big you know. picture. You've got to consider the big picture. And I think a lot of OTs consider the home environment, uh, like getting through doorways as an example and, being able to to sit in the lounge room and having a circulation space to be able to do that, and having a circulation space on a ramp and and so on and so forth for the wheelchair. But I think that um, it's a little bit of an unknown about what's actually required for the for the motor vehicle. So I'm glad that you
0: brought it up. Yeah, yeah that that seat to floor height is a big point I like to hide Out, I, I always remember I was um, we were doing like a, a trial for someone at. Um, coffs harbour and it was it was um it was pretty gutting i guess because they didn't consider they'd just taken delivery and and it might have been even a permobil chair but anyway they they'd just taken delivery of this really great chair and and um and i was there coincidentally at the time when they'd just taken delivery then they went to go into their car and nothing worked and nothing fit and i watched their whole life fall apart in front of them it was it i'm that scene pretty it was pretty traumatizing for me to watch because like i I was watching i was so excited i was watching these two people come out going oh we've got this new chair and we've been waiting for this and it was a very expensive chair it was i think it was upwards of about 50 grand or something it was a big 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 setup um and then yeah that no one even thought about that no one even considered that it was no one's fault it was just no and they thought oh no and I was just yeah it was pretty horrifying to watch um and so because they had no other option like when because we were there as well it was lucky because we were there and we got involved and they said hey you guys are the engineers come over and let's see if we can find up with a solution and and it was pretty depressing because there was no solution and and they couldn't get into a car the wheelchair was just too big to get into anything even a hoisted um van and um and and it was yeah so um so that's a big big takeaway you know holistic look at everything
2: mm, absolutely and because I have also heard families, I assume they've got a van, they've got one child in a wheelchair that they're gonna be okay. But you know, they need to come and talk to you guys first. Like if they're wanting to take three kids out in the back of that van and that to be the primary vehicle, you know, like, um, yeah, just everything needs to be considered, right? So the other thing that I know that we've done before is drop chairs off um, to the modification service just to really make sure that, you know, that's all going to, to fit in there. Don't, um, and as an OT, don't make an assumption. Don't say, yes, go buy that car, Mrs. Brown. We could get that modified. Make sure that you have reached out to your local suppliers, your specialists, in that area because you know we're talking like you said Ali use some very expensive like large chairs but we're also talking some very expensive modifications and then the asset of the vehicle itself so we really need those to all work together um yeah. to give the best possible outcome
0: for, yeah. for all our users that's good all right well look it's been uh, 20 minutes already so uh before we wind up we ask our guests one final question and we have had some great answers to this question over the podcast we've done and just before we ask you we just wanted to quickly acknowledge and remind everyone of the sponsors that make the show possible mobility enduring and williams ot all right so as we've learned over this podcast cars are more than just getting from a to b what is a memory that you have in your car or something special that you've done that no one knows about or something unique that you do with your car that you think or have you done that you think maybe you know this is unique to me
2: um after taking on the job at automobile i went and brought myself a jeep and it's bright blue and sent a photo to my manager when you're so excited about your new job that you color match your car yeah. you <laughs> to the, the the new company because permobil has a a lot of blues i guess that's with mine and i i've done drive aways so around the states i toured the states where you just pick up a car and you deliver it to somewhere else and you don't know where you're going you've just got so many miles to do it and we we just went wherever there was another car to pick up and that, oh that's
0: awesome was, that, that's in the u.s
2: yeah yeah many years ago now but yeah Ooh, and that, that a great awesome opportunity
0: that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Fantastic. All right. So, uh, thank you very much for that. A huge thank you to our guest, Tracy Lee McGinnity from uh, Permobile. If our uh, listeners have any further questions or want to get in contact with you, um, we will, if you could send through some of those contact details, we'll put them in the show notes. But is there any other way that you want to share here so that I get in contact?
2: always reach out to any of our clinical services team um so our, the therapist within
0: our team at education.au at permobil.com education.au permobil and we'll share that in the notes absolutely um and uh, also make sure you go to the drywall facebook page to check it out and all of the other stuff that we mentioned in this interview will put it there and thanks again tracy lee from permobil all right stick around folks we'll come back and brad and i will give our top three takeaways from the episode and our expert analysis again thanks tracy yeah good on you tracy thank you very much for your time today
2: thank you both for having me see you later
0: bye all right cool that was great Tracy. all right everybody welcome back quick little side note um brad does have a little bit of an illness and so he has been i've been doing most of the talking so um so just a, just a Reminder on that and highlight that. But thanks very much, Brad, for being here anyway. He's a trooper.
1: Oh, I've done my best.
0: <laughs> All right. So, as we say always in this section, we bring you our expert analysis and top three takeaways from the interviews. That is for this episode. This is where Brad and I provide more than thirty years of joint experience in the industry, helping people with disabilities to drive and get out in the community in a safe and meaningful way. So we were discussing this just before we started, and. Um, One thing, the one big first takeaway we took away out of this was it was interesting when I asked or we asked um, Tracy about what do we need to consider about seating and position and posture and all of these kind of things. And uh, it was kind of a technical-leaded question, but then she answered it with basically choice and control. Um, and, And it's all about what does the user want? What are they trying to achieve you know and and it was a great story she said about a picture like what's in behind us where um the person probably should have been traveling in a wheelchair um but that wasn't their goal their goal was to actually do something like exactly what you can see in that photo go somewhere where the wife is sitting out on the side of the, uh, the front seat and they're sitting on the back seat and they're just enjoying the view together and that's all they wanted um and because they'd spent that time listening to ben they were able to specify the seating around that so those postural and positioning things are important but it was interesting very interesting to me that they're secondary
1: yeah there's so many things that come into it um there's room in your garage there's room in your driveway uh but then also where do you actually want to get to and we've we've um done an interview with john before like i highlighted in the main area that his main thing was about going to the mcdonald's drive-through but in this case what tracy was talking about was getting to the river and um with modifications to the car nowadays like the the pullout awnings uh and the turnout seat you can set up a picnic table and and not actually get out of the seat at all uh but also get out and enjoy an outing, just like in the picture behind your alley. So if you're listening to this um, on a podcast, make sure you go and check us out on YouTube as well, because um, sometimes we talk with our hands and demonstrate things and talk about pictures behind us. So um, make sure you listen to this podcast, but also check us out on YouTube as well, because uh, quite often we're, we're trying to talk about car modifications and the best thing we can do is see what we're talking about.
0: Yeah. And, and that takes us to the next one, which I, I really loved. Um, for me, what really stuck from what Tracy was saying about her, I guess, little tips for OTs and, and industry people. One of the big lines that stuck with me was pelvis is the foundation. Yeah, so sure. that was pretty cool. Uh, I thought like sort of like what I said to Brad just before we started. The way I visualized that was um, the pelvis is almost like an OT. It's the person in the middle, and everything connects to the pelvis, you know. Um, Just like we've mentioned before, the OT is that hub, that that's the central point, and everything comes from the OT. And it's sort of similar to that pelvis. That pelvis, um, you've always got to take it back to that pelvis. And that was a pretty good point to think about, even if you're not doing the specialized seating. And like Brad said, if you're just a general OT that you, you, or even if you're a specialized driving OT, well, maybe it's good to be a little bit more aware of the pelvis, you know, and and just have that on the mind.
1: I'm not a seating specialist and someone will probably listen to this and say, Brad, you're wrong uh, about that certain thing. So please make sure you talk to your seating specialist, but your pelvis has three bony prominences: Your your ITs, your usual tuberosities, which is uh, the bottom of your, of your pelvis bone, the two bits where your hips kind of join in the two bony bits down there. And then your sacrum, your your tailbone. Uh, If you're sitting on those bits for any length of time, you're going to get in all kinds of trouble uh, in regards to pressure sores. And uh, we've actually had a chat to Tracy off air um, and talking about pressure sores. And we're actually going to invite her back to talk about pressure care in uh, motor vehicles, but also for those long distance journeys when you're sitting in your, in your wheelchair. So we're actually going to invite her back. She's excited to come back and talk about that. Um, I w- wish I got more information out of it already because i'm about to hit the road up to P D. so it's a nine-hour drive i'm going to be having sore it's at the end of this drive but uh, we're going to get her back for that one but getting the pelvis. Nicely positioned so you're not sitting on one bone more than another bone and making sure that you're uh, putting weight onto the thighs so you spread that weight out uh, and not sit on your sacrum, sitting on your tailbone, getting the back tilt right. It, it, there's so much that goes into it that we're going to get a back and really unpack this pelvis uh, um, scenario so we get it right. And uh, I, I can't wait to do that
0: that's interesting because what you the way i my engineer decoded what your brain decoded what you said was um basically that it sounded like the pelvis is like a tripod um and it's it's holding you up like it's three legs that are holding you up and and like if you if you had something sitting on a tripod and it was leaning on one leg more than the other it'll break eventually um because it needs to have that distribution that even distribution so um so yeah, that, that's that's how my mechanical engineering decoded that. Oh. So that's that's cool.
1: There's so many ergonomics that come into it. We could get an ergonomist. I can never say that word on the show and uh, talk about the ergonomics of sitting in a car as well, because uh, just sitting on your wallet. You know, we're well, not that we have wallets much anymore with our phones and so forth holding all of our cards in it. But the old fashioned wallet that used to be that thick underneath one cheekbone terrible for your pelvis and terrible for uh, your back i
0: personally uh ruined my back with my wallet and had to repair that over a couple of years so there you go i'm a a victim of that from about terrible
1: terrible but that's the type of thing that we're talking about for people that have lower lumbar issues where the pelvis is off angle and then sitting a long time on one pelvis uh on one it for a long time it's going to cause a lot of pressure issues and we really got to think about that when we're transferring into the standard car seat, especially if they've got a lot of postural supports uh, in their wheelchair and you're saying, well, it's best to transfer into the car seat for safety. What are we doing to that pelvis? And we've really got to think about that uh, when they've, going from a highly supported environment in their wheelchair into one that's maybe not so supported in a standard car seat. And we're going to talk to her and uh, get Tracy back in regards to talking specifically about that pelvis in in a car seat should be great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. And that brings us to that last one, um, which was kind of
1: related, which is all about measurements. Yep.
0: All around the size and all around the measurements. So not just, well, Tracy and I, we spoke about a story of getting into the car and measuring, you know, that, that sort of floor to head height and, and even the width and all of that. But it's not just the bigger measurements. It's also the smaller measurements, as we said, on the hips and the arms and, the, and all of those things and, and really understanding every single angle um, and every single uh, measurement that's going there so we can provide a holistic um, view And as you said, going back to be able to understand how can we get that load distributed on the body and supported the right way. Um, And the only way we're really going to know if it's going to work is by measuring it and having that data, you know. Um, And so that was a pretty good point as well is double checking off that data. And, and a little catalyst was a little good tip, which um, Brad added as well, you've got to make sure the person's there as well. But dropping chairs off for trials, like so leaving a chair in a house or leaving it somewhere to try in a car. Um, it's it's a great idea. But as Brad pointed out when we we're discussing it, you want the person to be there as well. Because again, you might have tried something out. Like we, we actually had one situation again, another one that came up to me. We trialed a wheelchair lifter um, with the wheelchair, but not the person on it. And then when they came and they wheeled on, pushed the button and it wouldn't lift them because the wheelchair lifter and the person together was too much um and again just it was just a silly mistake you know so so those are little things that we need to do we just need to double check triple check and measure everything and 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 that's where we get that success
1: yeah we've highlighted it before Make if you're uh, if you're setting yourself up for a trial which is what we always recommend at the end of every single podcast that we uh we do uh and your mobility specialist doesn't ask you to come in and do a trial i'd be asking and uh you're making sure that you're asking why we don't need to come in hopefully they've done the modification a hundred times before and they just know exactly what they're doing but yeah question question why you're not doing a trial um or uh, having a specific measurement uh when you're doing quoting and, and so forth because you don't want to be living with a mistake yeah and they, they
0: can be very expensive as has been um shared in today's episode quite a fair bit and and i guess that's it so um as we wind up, we want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, Mobility and William Mobility Engineering and Williams OT for helping us bring you the interview with Tracy Lee McGinnity from Permabil today. Uh, Williams OT Driver Assessment and Rehab is all the pieces of the puzzle to assist people with disabilities reach their driving and community mobility goals. Mobility Engineering is a team of passionate and dedicated people focused on bringing Australia's largest range of suitable transport solutions for all sorts of walks of life. And as we say in every episode, the advice provided in this podcast is general in nature. So if you have any queries about what you can do and what will work for you, get in contact with your local OT or mobility dealer and you set yourself up with a trial. The trials really do put you in that driver's seat. So that's what it's all about, getting in there and trying those products.
1: And we've highlighted it again today. Absolutely. And thanks everybody for putting up with my slightly blocked nose. Uh, Hopefully it's come across all right in the podcast and we'll see you in the next episode
0: next
1: time. Thanks for listening to the Drive Able Podcast with Brad Williams and Aliak Barry. If you like what you've heard, make sure you like, rate and subscribe. It really does make a massive difference. If you or anyone you know would like to share a story about driving with a disability or you would like to get in contact, find the show notes or find the resources mentioned in this episode, you can find us on Facebook. Just search at Drive Able Podcast for more information.